Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
We also have um, our great co-host who did legislative affairs for President Ronald Reagan, international security expert, Islamic historian, political activist, and New York Times bestselling author, Valerie Greenfield on the line. How are you? Good. Thanks, Rory. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Great to have you here. Um, Joshua Halavate, as always, my co-host, my buddy, you're on the line out of Ohio. What's going on? What's going on? How are things? Uh, things are great, man. And uh, Gabe out of Phoenix, what's up, buddy? Hey, not a whole lot, man. How are you? Good to have you on. Good to have you on. Um, so, yeah, so I uh, I want to start. And I am going to play this clip. Um, you know, Trump clears everything up to the record that none of the money paid to these females came out of campaign finances. This was a big worry as of yesterday. Uh, Trump addressed it um, today, earlier. Um, here's what he had to say for, you know, everybody was panicking that Michael Cohen was, you know, uh, campaign fraud and, you know, people were talking that this had to do with paying off these playmates. But um, President Trump, you know, guarantees that uh, this came out of Trump's own pocket, and uh, he's sticking with that, which, I mean, I mean, the, a couple hundred thousand dollars is toilet paper to President Trump. So uh, play <laughs> one, two, one, two. Did you know about the payments? Uh, later on, I knew. Later on. But you have to understand, Ainsley, what he did and they weren't taken out of campaign finance. That's a big thing. That's a much bigger thing. Did they come out of the campaign? They didn't come out of the campaign. They came from me, and I tweeted about it. You know, I put, I don't know if you know, but I tweeted uh, about the payments. But they didn't come out of campaign. In fact, my first question when I heard about it was, did they come out of the campaign? Because that could be a little dicey. And they didn't come out of the campaign, and that's big. But they weren't, that's not a, it's not even a campaign violation. If you look at President Obama, he had a massive campaign violation. But he had a different attorney general, and they viewed it a lot different. Earlier today, he also said um, what my- So there you have it. Um, I do also, um, you know, want to say, you know, the liberal media is trying to spin this every way in any way they can possible to they think they have the smoking gun they think they have their you know whole uh conclusion and you know this is going to get trump impeached and out of office no 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 this is this is just another uh you know um something that is over exaggerated uh for uh, liberal tv tv ratings uh there is nothing to see here we we know any logical and rational human being knows this. Um, Josh, your thoughts though. Well, you know the thing is they started out trying to go after Trump, so even with the allegations that uh, you know have been brought down against his uh, former campaign manager, um, you know they're still the the thing is they didn't find anything any dirt actually on Trump, but they're still trying to. Word it like he'd found something on Trump. So it's I'm not surprised. Um, you know, they're basically the only difference now is that somebody is actually at fault for something. But you know, so it's it's different in that sense. But they're still twisting the truth in the same way um, as they always have. 
And it, and it really is a fishing expedition for Robert Mueller. I mean, you know, first it was Russia collusion they were investigating, and now they're going, and I've said this on the show many times in the past, they're going into Trump's personal life. They're going into his personal finances. They're going into stuff that is not relevant to what they were currently investigating. I mean, this just goes to show all along that they will do whatever it takes to get this man out of power. I mean, they are out of there, the left. I mean, they don't know what to do because they see the economy doing so well. They see everything amazing. The, the liberals have nothing to run on, and they're terrified. This is just great. Uh, you know, we're in a great situation in terms of conservatives because, you know, it's been two years. There's nothing. There's no sufficient evidence. This is even – Democrats are even starting to get pissed off at their own party for continuing this witch hunt investigation. And, you know, it's wasting a lot of taxpayer dollars, a lot of money. I mean, just with what Robert Mueller's doing. Robert Mueller's t- like talking to madams in New York that used to uh, associate with Trump and, you know, uh, Russian pop stars. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? What, what is this? What's the, what, are we, what, what are we dealing with right now? Oh, my God. But I do want to welcome to the show. I do have very two special guests. First of all, real quick, I want to get Valerie and Gabe's thoughts. Valerie, go ahead. Sure, I'll go first. Sure, thank you. Um, I just, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I think that they're just fishing. But the problem is, um, you know, Trump was a was a private person. It's his private money. Why why are we talking about yeah. this kind of thing at all? I mean, there's no yeah. crime. He's, it happens you know, every I mean, day I understand his lawyer, his lawyer did, his lawyer, you know, committed some crimes, but that's not him. And, you yeah. know, his lawyers will go to jail, and that's the end of it. But, you know, unfortunately, the press won't let it be the end of it. Like you said, they're trying to create something out of nothing. And, yeah. unfortunately, you know, the the... Um, the, if, if the press says something and nobody else's back is saying anything um, against it, then that's what people believe. And I, I'm not really concerned about this particular case. I'm concerned about the long term, how going they're going to twist everything around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know what? You know what I've always said from day one. I have never trusted Michael Cohen. I think he is one of the most shadiest, sketchiest, weirdest dudes and that you know when we're going to talk about this tonight but trump has made some stupid hires in his in his life i mean he he has hired some people that aren't so bright and probably shouldn't have been you know around uh you know like we see with amarosa there's other examples um you know all these different people Mm -hmm. that have started slandering him i mean it's a it's dirty um but uh dave go ahead um, yeah, I mean, from from my perspective, as far as this goes, I mean, it's the same tactics we've seen from the left over and over and over again, you know. I mean, slander the other person's character, even when you can't find anything and find baseless yep. accusations to throw at the guy. Attack the personal yep. life as much as possible. I mean, any, any type of uh, respect for the opponent has already dissipated well over a year ago. I mean, almost two years now. But we're yeah. into this, and 
I mean, it's not really anything new. If anything, it's just the same story repeating itself of, I mean, the left side media just losing their credibility over and over and over and over again. I mean, yeah, realistically, if you look at it, it's almost a good thing that they do it because at this point, anybody that keeps on believing them is just going to lead to their own demise. And if anything, going to, I mean, it's going to be the end of the left as we know it. I mean, we're already seeing them shifting their paradigm to a more extremist stance as far as socialism is now on the rise. Um, I mean, it's uh, they they no longer even want to identify as themselves anymore. And nowadays, they're trying to shift <laughs> into something far far more extreme than it ever has been. And I mean, the media isn't helping its cause. There are fifty different places with fifty different views, none of which are ever consistent. And I mean, it's it, it's a shame that that's kind of what it's come to because previously, what we've seen was. Both sides can at least have a cordial discussion with one another and not have to um, not have to tear each other's throats apart, or at least that was, yeah. that's been my experience with it. And then nowadays, yeah. what we see is just complete lack of respect. If you believe this, then you're immoral, and if you think differently than me, then you're immoral, and you're the worst person on the face of the planet. You can agree with someone on 99% of the issues. If you disagree with them on that 1%, then <laughs> Lord help us, and the media isn't helping it. And honestly, they're probably the driving factor. And that's just another, yeah. I mean, it's another ploy. It's nothing different, though. I blame, you know what I blame a lot for this as well is social media. Because, you know, when Bush was in office, there was no social media. Oh, only half of Obama's time, if that, social media was evolving. So, I mean, social media has had a big impact on a lot of this fake news and these witch hunts and these, you know, fake advertising. I mean, a lot of the, all of the above. I mean, social media, in a sense, has played a factor into it. And I, and I will get into detail on that later in the show. I do want to welcome our special guests, though. Two very, two very great special guests on the line. Uh, Steven Seagal, co-author, business partner, ex-chief deputy, U.S. Marshal, martial artist, U.S. Army veteran, musician, political activist, and mayoral and, 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 and a candidate for mayor here in uh, Payson, Arizona, Tom Morrissey. How are you, my friend? Wow, <laughs> that that was quite a uh, it was quite a leap, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm good. Thanks. I'm I'm a little tired because the campaigns do that to you, but. Uh, but I'm, I'm feeling good, and uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying the conversation. I've been listening for the last few minutes, and uh, I, uh, I, I like the energy in, uh, the, in the defense of our president, our elected yeah. president. And, um, and uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of uh, working, uh, working with and for President Trump, uh, especially when he was a candidate. And uh, yeah, I uh, it, it brings it, it brings a smile to my face to hear you talking, uh, to hear the conversation. It's it's uh, well deserved and uh, it shows the strength that we we're all going to need to have to, to get get through this what's coming at us. But in the end, we're, we're going to be the ones that are going to prevail and not the less. No. Absolutely. And uh, Tom, yeah. uh, stay on the line. We're going to get into a lot of conversations. I do want to welcome my, my next special guest, though, 
oil and natural gas investor, radical Islam expert, foreign policy analysis, New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Live Zet, Daily Surge, and The Hill. Dan Perkins, how are you, sir? I also am tired. You kept me up way late last night. So Absolutely. I hope and, I, and for anybody, I, for anybody that is, you know, does not see this show live, I do want to say this in the middle. There is several places you can download it online. Um, you can download it on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Player.fm, CastBox, uh, just to name a few, but there's several more. Uh, Blueberry's another one. Um, but I do want to let the audience know that. Um, but Dan, Absolutely. Uh, good I, to have, yes. Go ahead. So I'm, I, here I go. I'm going to go a different direction. With what, um, with what we were talking about? Yes, I'm, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna force you to think think a different direction here. Uh, I wrote a piece uh, for Constitution.com that went up yesterday that about talked Omarosa. about Omarosa being a spy for the Mueller uh, investigation and for Brennan. Now, in that particular piece, which is well, say that one of the again longest... so the audience can hear. I I am by the way, what you just said. In a way, I am shocked, but at the same time. This totally makes sense, and I did read the piece, but say it again. Omarosa is a what for Mueller? Spy. Spy. Oh, oh Jesus. Was, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Keep going, though. All right. Now, let me, as I said, let me, let me just we'll, – we'll, we'll set her aside for just a moment. I want to okay. put out some facts, and then I'm going to get, give you a conclusion. Okay. We have all these tangential people that are attacking the president, and you just articulated with what happened with Cohen and and the fact that what he did was uh, when he made a statement in the courtroom yesterday, uh, basically was admitting that he did his job as an attorney for his client and uh, made a payment to uh, to fund a confidentiality agreement. And which both ultimately uh, violated. Um, and so, what what was strange to me is there's another dot to connect. In the piece, I talk about the fact that Omarosa worked in the Clinton White House. And the national security, the, the the daily national security briefing officer, while she was in the White House, was John Brennan. What new twist? New twist! Oh my God! This just went a whole new direction. Jesus Christ! Who was the counsel for Cohen? Who was his primary lawyer? Lanny Davis. Was it Lanny Davis? Yeah, I just saw Lanny Davis on MSNBC earlier. Wow. Lanny Davis. Lanny Davis was was his primary counsel, and Lanny Davis worked for Bill Clinton in defending the Clinton. Yep. During the yep. uh, this scandal. Now here's the qu- okay. Here's the question. Two questions, Roy. Two questions. Yeah. Who picked Lanny Davis to be counsel for Cohen? One. 
to who's paying him? Answer. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready for this. Hillary Clinton. <gasps> are you kidding me? Well, don't are they you, do an are investigation you... on Cohen before they hire him? Oh, my God. What a revelation. What a nightmare. Put the pieces of the puzzle together. Why would the, the private counsel for the president of the United States hire this guy who was Clinton's counsel and was a Democrat through and through? Who picked him? Who's From paying New York. for him? Yeah. yeah who's, I mean, who picked him? Who's paying for him? We don't know that. And nobody's, nobody's, nobody's yet to ask the question, who picked him or who told Cohen, you need Lanny Davis to be your attorney? Somebody persuaded him. And who's paying for Jesus. it? And I believe the answer to the question is Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. This is so dirty. This is so dirty. Um Tom, I want you. Tom, you want to respond to this real quick? I want you to respond to this. I have a lot to say. I want this is wow, Jesus. <laughs> well, I, I'm not surprised at, at any of it. And uh, if, if you go back, I was reading a thing today online that goes, that goes back to the uh, Clinton White House and uh, and then goes right through the Obama administration with the Hillary or <clears throat> before that her time in the Senate and. Uh, and you know, and just people's names—they they keep falling over one another. Lois Lerner, um, uh, the, you know, the the, the all of the councils, all of the attorneys—it's like musical chairs, but it's the same people. And, um, and you know, they were there for yeah. Hillary Clinton destroyed thirty-three thousand emails when she with that were subpoenaed, and and yes, nobody. Said or did anything, and it gets even exactly. worse. And then she destroyed phones, she destroyed um, uh, computers, uh, laptops. I yep, mean, yep. hit them with hammers. And 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 not a word, not a word is said. And and you know, and I'm blaming the Republicans as, as much, if not more. And and I I am a Republican, but uh, I'm not an establishment Republican, so I blame the establishment right. Republicans that, that are in control oh, of, of our party. And yeah. And they're 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 the ones that are at fault, and you know, and and this whole thing yeah. of Trump. But but the saving grace here, for, and that I I feel this in the bottom of my heart, is that Trump is playing three dimensional chess with people that are playing checkers. That they're not that smart, and they're not going to get him. And and uh, and if he's, anything, he's, in other words, he's ten steps ahead of he's ten steps ahead. More probably more than ten steps ahead. They they've never dealt with, with anybody like him. And and I, I I qualify this because when I was chairman of of the Arizona Republican Party, uh, yeah, I was grassroots as I am now. The people I had the most trouble with were the establishment in the party, the McCain people, the the Flake people, um, yeah, John Kyle, those people. Because they absolutely they withdrew their support of the party, and and there's a lesson here. And what what happened was they they gave us no financial support or moral support. And it, during my term, and it wasn't because of me, it was because of the people in the party. We were in from in the 2012 election cycle. We were the top 
the Republican Party in the country. We raised more money than, than had ever been raised in this state by any by any uh, world chairman. And and we, we we and I the reason I know this was because the New York Times came out and did an interview with me, wanted to know what I did that no other state chairman did. We even won the state for Romney by twelve points. I mean, we, we won every statewide election and all that. It was because of the people, and that's where the power is. And and I, I preach this every chance I get to, to speak to, to any groups, that the people we elect, is yeah. good, this is good for everybody, the people we elect work for us. We do not work for them. And we need to treat them like employees and not like celebrities. And so we do yep. that. Nothing's going to change. And Donald Trump is not one of those people. Donald Trump is completely different from anybody that's ever occupied that office in, in, well, in modern history. You know, as much as I love Ronald Reagan, I, you know, my hero, uh, Donald Trump yes. is even more effective than that. Um, and, and speaking and, – oh, oh, keep going, Tom. Go ahead. Keep going, sorry. No, 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 no I want you to keep going. No, keep going. Yeah, so – well, the, 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 and the lesson is, is is that we have the power. We we do. The country is based on three words: we the people, we the people, and and we the people have the power. And and these folks that are sitting there now in Washington and in their elected offices, and and uh, you know, and, and it, it's very intoxicating. It's very powerful. But you know, it, it all it takes is one election to get rid of them. And, and and once the people wake up, and they're waking up, Donald Trump is waking us up. And once once that is realized, and 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 we put that into action, we will change this country. And I'll tell you something: if by some chance they they do take Trump down, there's going to be a revolution. I mean, there is oh people God, are going yes. to go to the streets. Yeah. Yep. And, and In the believe me. Fighting. Yeah. And 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 and. Uh, and Mattis will, Mad Dog Mattis will lead it. <laughs> I mean, keep an eye on, on him. And that is a man of uh, great ability, and, and he's a great patriot. So, so I'm so glad that he's in the administration. He, you know, when you watch him during the, 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 uh, the different meetings and things when he's sitting near, next to or near the president. Just watch, watch his face as the president talks, and everybody else reacts. He doesn't react. He just sits there, <laughs> and that that that's scary. But it, but it, but it, it's very very heartening. He's, he's a very strong man. So we got right. You know, Trump is putting the right people around him, along with the wrong people. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, and you know, I, I think you know, I think just like any business, and I think just like any, you know, uh, administration, you know, there's going to be those times um, where you make those hires that aren't so great. I mean, we've seen Trump kind of clean house uh, in, you know, in a way, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, he, he's running it like a business, which is a good thing. You know, you don't keep people around if they can't perform properly. You replace them with somebody right. that can, that can do the job and that can uh, perform at that level. Um, you know, yeah. so there, there's a lot of, I think it's teaching a lot of lessons in a good way, in a really good way. Um, we in other administrations we have not seen this sort of thing because I think a lot of other administrations let too many things go and they're not um, you know they don't they don't care enough if the people can't perform at the level uh, you know at, at that job level and that's what I've seen in some of these past administrations 
Um, you know, obviously there's there's been some really good administrations in, in presidential history, but you know there's been a lot of bad ones. Um, but speaking sure. of Reagan, Tom, interesting you bring that up. Uh, Valerie, you you did uh, legislative affairs for Ronald Reagan, correct? Yes. Very yes. nice. Back uh, in the eighties. Sorry. Back in back in the eighties, you did legislative affairs yeah, for he, Reagan. Yeah, he he was an amazing amazing president, and I agree that he's not. Um, you know, politically they're this very very similar. In fact, I think Trump is much more conservative than I ever thought he would have been. Um, when he was running, um, but you know he's his own—he's much more his own guy and his own personality. And and Reagan was conservative, um, more like a Goldwater conservative um, personality-wise as well as you know. In addition, because he you know he was—he would even take off his his coat in the way, in the Oval Office. He was so formal and so mannerly. Um, in that way, completely the opposite of Trump. Right, right. Yeah, and um, you know, I uh Josh and Josh and Gabe, Josh real quick and then I want to go to you Gabe, get your thoughts. You know, uh, I I don't have a whole lot to say on this because honestly Dan just blew my mind with what he was talking about. Um first off, with that was Clinton. that's just incredible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. good night. That's a connection that no one had heard before. Um, I was like, know, what's usual, that? We're Dan, like that? Dan, that's out of left field, but it all makes sense, Dan. Go ahead, though, yep. Josh. Continue. Yeah, and and you know, um, and just like you were saying, not everybody makes perfect hires, and Trump is has you know made some pretty stupid hires uh, over the time he's been there. But you know, I I do find something interesting that most presidents, um, and you know, I I'm only 20 years old, so I can't go back that far. But just for Obama, for instance. When he made a bad hire, he kind of just sat on that bad hire and didn't do anything. Um, right. So, you exactly. know, it, it is, it's smart of Trump. He sees a bad hire, and he gets rid of him as quick as possible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, Gabe, go ahead. I mean, I, I think they're pretty much largely what I was going to say has already been said. Um, I do like the fact that there has been – a lot of turnover, but um, that being said, there's also pros and there's cons to it. Uh, the term of the president's four to eight years if they get elected or reelected. Within that time frame, I mean, you have to anticipate that there is going to be a learning curve for each individual office. With there being a high turnover rate, I mean, the people who do go in to fill in those shoes aren't necessarily going to be as knowledgeable about those specific stances. Now, that being said, does that really negate the cons of having someone in the office that isn't doing a diligent job? No, I mean, absolutely not. That uh, That is beneficial, um, and it keeps everybody on their toes. But, I mean, if we're going to acknowledge all the pros to it, you got to acknowledge the cons that come with it. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of different directions in which the office can go in the next two years, and I mean, hopefully four after that, but... Uh, you gotta. Uh, I mean, it's just it's going to be interesting to watch. I do think that a lot of people that are taking these positions are under a lot more scrutiny than any previous administration has ever been, um, as far as them being watched like a hawk by the media, and anything they do yep. just gets blown disproportionately. So that additional stress definitely could be a major factor to any turnover rates, but 
I mean, it it's all on a case by case basis, realistically. So we do we do have a lot. There there is a lot more uh, that could happen, and we'll likely see happen in the next two years, though. Oh, absolutely. And 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 Dan, I want you to touch on this, touch up on this, and then I kind of I want to switch gears a little bit. Still involves Michael Cohen, but it's another thing that uh, he's involved with that's very sketchy. But uh, go ahead, Dan. I wanted you to kind of touch up on this. I know you you wrote the piece. Yeah, I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to throw out another scenario to the uh, to the audience. Just again, going in a different direction. Uh, right. I guess I'm I, I'm used to that on your show, or you're used to me having on the show. And yeah, I would point yeah, out to to all of your guests this question. Yeah. When you talk about hiring Donald Trump, hiring people, as yes. as well known as this man is around yep. the world, and yep. as many friends as he may have. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have enough friends to fill all the offices that he needs to fill as the president. Plus, plus all the ambassadors. And so, as much as we would like to be have Mr. Trump or any president to be perfect on his selections, there reaches a point when he just doesn't know enough people with the right skills to do those jobs. So what does he have to do? He has to depend upon other people to give him their best counsel as to who should fill a job. Now, sometimes that's political appointees for favors or whatever, but most of the time he's got a group of people who know people that perhaps may be able to do the job, perhaps, and they get hired. And as the president president gets more skill and his staff, his personnel staff get more skill by looking at it, you'll see, I think you'll probably see less turnover as they begin to identify the right assets for the right jobs. No, uh, no, I hear you. It makes sense. And um, no, absolutely. I, um, I do. I want to switch gears though. So let, let, let me, I want to play this clip. Michael Cohen was subpoenaed. Uh, as part of the the Trump Foundation now, the Trump Foundation probe, they're going into Trump's foundations. I want you, I want you to hear this clip, and then we're going to talk about this. But this is, I mean, this is just nuts. This is nuts. Breaking news now on Fox News Channel, and continuing coverage of the news that just came into us. And as it turns out, it's uh, from the Associated Press, top of A3, if we could. Uh, and this is the new information. In, uh, this is the writing of the Associated Press. Investigators in New York State have issued a subpoena to Michael Cohen as part of their criminal probe into the Trump Foundation, his charitable foundation. A spokesman for the Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo's tax department confirms the subpoena to the Associated Press moments ago. The subpoena was issued after Michael Cohen's attorney said the longtime lawyer and fixer for President Donald Trump has information that would be of interest to prosecutors at both the state and federal level. As a close Trump confidant, the AP writes, Cohen could potentially be a significant source of information for state investigators looking into whether Trump or his charity broke state law or lied about their tax liability. Anybody charged with a state crime could not be pardoned by the president. 
Messages left with attorneys for Cohen and Trump were not immediately returned today. Again, all of that from the Associated Press. Michael Cohen worked with President Trump for more than a decade. He rose through the ranks of the Trump Organization, eventually became Executive Vice President. Laura Engel in New York City now with more. Laura? Hi, Chef. You know, Michael Cohen has a long history here in New York, both professionally and personally. The son of a Holocaust survivor, he grew up on New York's Long Island, became a lawyer and a taxi medallion owner within a few years of each other, and later purchased several Trump Tower apartments. And that's where the connection to the president really began. It has been a big week, as we've been reporting, for the married father of two, who will be, by the way, celebrating his 52nd birthday this Saturday with a new title to add to his roster, admitted felon. Cohen earned his law degree from the Thomas M. Cooley Law School in Michigan in the early 90s, but could be disbarred if he is convicted. That's one part of it. And according to published reports, Cohen first met the president in 2004 while he was looking to buy an apartment at Trunk, Trump Park Avenue. After siding with Mr. Trump in a dispute with a condo board at Trump World Tower, he publicly promoted Trump Tower Apartments as a sound investment to folks, something that led Mr. Trump to offer him a job. Cohen quit his law partnership and went to work for the Trump Organization in 2007. Now, Cohen has a resume in politics. He was named deputy finance chair of the Republican National Committee's Finance Committee in 2017, a post he resigned this year, citing the ongoing special counsel investigation. He also had Democratic ties, posting a picture of himself with Hillary Clinton in 2014 on his Twitter page with the hashtag Hillary Clinton fan. Cohen has also donated money to candidates on both sides of the aisle over the years, including Democrat Senator Chuck Schumer of New York and Republican Dan's Senator right. John McCain of Arizona. Now, Cohen only recently became a registered Republican, too. He was registered as a Democrat in January of 2017. In March of that year, he tweeted that he was making the official move to join the Republican Party, adding that it, quote, took a great man at POTUS to get me to make the switch. Shep? Uh, Laura Engel, live for us. Thanks so much. Dan, I want to point something out to you. Did you hear that? He's a, Michael I Cohen could, yeah. was a Hillary Clinton fan and a Democrat in 2014. He only recently trans, uh, transferred over to the Republican Party because of Trump winning. This all makes sense, Dan. Amoroso was a Democrat who worked in the White House and worked with, uh, with, with the Clintons. So, and, and Brennan was part of the White House with, with, with the Clintons. I'm telling you, we, it's, it's scary to even have the conversation that, the, that as as that as Mr. Rush Limbaugh calls that the Clinton crime family, how you know, powerful now, they really are. I want to know now. I want to get you know, and I definitely want Tom. I want to get your a lot of your thoughts, and we're going to go into a lot of stories, Tom. I want to talk about your your book about the deep state too, Tom, which really talks a lot about this. But Dan, I want Dan your thoughts on this whole them investigating the Trump Foundation. I mean, this is just another way to try to bring Trump down. This is so out of the Russia box. I mean, it's beyond absurd. Well, first of all, uh, I, I have a foundation, uh, an, a legitimate 501c3 that I've had for a number of years. Um, and, um, uh, we we have to file our returns and everything just like everybody else. The thing yeah, that's so, interesting uh, about oh go ahead go ahead yes yeah, sir. 
thing, thing that's interesting that your audience needs to know that the vast majority of all the money that is distributed out of the foundation comes from the personal money of the Trump family. So they don't go out they don't go out like Hillary and Bill in the Clinton Foundation and try and extract money from governments and individuals. They basically fund it themselves. They have a board who makes decisions on how the money's to be spent. And I just don't see what the case is other than uh, harassment of, of Donald Trump and his family. And this is, this is another attack. You know, uh, Andrew Cuomo, let's face it, does not like Donald Trump. And this is an attack from Cuomo. This is an attack from the deep state. This is an attack from Hillary Clinton. This is an attack from Robert Mueller. This is an attack from Jimmy Comey. I mean, this is all of the above. I mean, they're all in bed together. They're all, you're, they're all on the same team, and they want to bring Trump down. And it's scary to even think about because when you really think about the connections the Clintons have and what, who they are involved with and how it all goes back, in a sense, to people Trump's been around with, Jesus Christ! I oh my God, there, there, Tom, you're there is. Go ahead, go ahead, on, Dan. On this, sorry, on this, on this morning's Drudge yeah. report, second column, about halfway done. Down, there is this headline: "She's back," and it talks about the number of fundraising events that Hillary Clinton is going to during the the midterm election season to try and support candidates. She's back. She never left. And she's, I'm telling you, unless, unless we get a new attorney general who does a deep investigation into the email scandal and the Clinton Foundation, she will be the, the nominee for the Democratic Party. Unbelievable. 2020. Unbelievable. I find it really unlikely that they will choose Hillary Clinton again. Like, I honestly don't think we're going to see anybody from the 2016 election popping up in 2020. Like, that was that was a pretty miserable loss on the Democratic side yeah, of things. But, but, but <laughs> if you go down the page this morning on Drudge, after you say you see the article about Hillary, the, the the next story down is the polling data of of the Democratic voters who they think should be the candidate for president in 2020 to run against Donald Trump. It isn't Hillary; it's Joe Biden. So I don't agree yeah, with your observations. We're, t- we're going back. We're going back to 2008 to pick up Joe Biden, a person who ran they for the president. They need new blood. They can't win with these people. They need new blood. They, and and I not agree. the I new agree. woman Cortez from New York. <laughs> oh, oh, please keep talking, Cortez from New York. That socialist idiot <laughs> woman that got elected. I hope she She's going to keep helping the Republican Party because she's going so far left, and she's taking the Democratic Party to hell with her. <laughs> but sorry, I, I go ahead, though. I mean, they're, they're with this whole, you know, 
I will say this. There's a new poll out today. 2020 odds have Trump favored more than every other challenger combined. Trump favored more than every, every other challenger combined. That was out of the Washington Examiner today, which is a very reliable news source, which I read quite often online. Um, very, uh, very conservative. It's just as good as Breibart, in my opinion. Um, what, um, what, what's your, what, you know, I, Tom, what's your thoughts on all this? Well, um, you know, we get into to the deep state thing. It, it's, it's kind of becoming a, a word that, that, that is almost overused. Um, and I'm seeing it now more like shadow government. I, I, I want to just give you a perspective. You mentioned that, that uh, I've written a book with Steven Seagal. It's a novel. It's, it's, it's a fiction it's a fiction book that um, we we made a bestseller. Uh, we have a bestseller banner, um, which is a daily thing. You best book for a day or a week or whatever uh, on yeah. Amazon, and we're and we're in the brick and mortar stores. But the interesting thing here is, you, are you familiar with Jerome Corsi's book, Killing the Deep State? That uh, it, it's 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 a, it's a very it's a, a factual book. Um, and uh, written by a man named Jerome Corsi, and it is a like one of the top books in the country today. And <clears throat> what's interesting is that tearing uh, Stephen in my book, which is called The Way of the Shadow. Real quick, uh, to Nick, to tell the audience uh, the book you wrote with Stephen Segal, your uh, co-author and business partner, it's called The Way of the Shadow Wolves: The Deep State yeah. and the Hijacking of America. And uh, it was uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who's a good friend of ours, uh, did a forward uh, for it as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that book, uh, we wrote that book because what we're trying to do is, is to uh, – we also formed our own publishing company, Fifth Powers Publishing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we're working on a sequel right now, and, and it looks like uh, The Way of the Shadow Wolves is going to be uh, – it's going to be a movie. We're talking about the uh, writing the screenplay right now. <clears throat> the reason I'm, I'm bringing it up is Jerome Corsi's book, uh, Killing the Deep State, which is all over the place. Newsmax is, is advertising and running uh, pieces of it in, uh, as, as part of their news uh, features. But anyway, they, they have partnered uh, our book, Stephen and my book, with Jerome Corsi's book, and they're selling them as a pair on, on Amazon, which is – um, which is great. I mean, it's helping our book sales. But the, the thing is, we have uh, we, we have painted a picture. Um, you know, the, the Hollywood left, the libs, uh, they, they, all of their movies always make people like us the bad guy, and, and we're stupid. And, and, they, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're, you know, and, and they, they, that's how they do it. What we've done is we, take, we borrowed a page from them. Stephen is about as conservative as they come. Uh, yep. I pray he never gets his hands on Robert De Niro because Robert De Niro will never forget that experience. But but uh, Stephen yep. will not. <laughs> will not shed I'd love to see Stephen not... Seagal kick the shit out of De Niro. I'd love that. <laughs> uh, you, you and me both, and he will. They're in the same room. Uh, but uh, Stephen will not <laughs> set foot in Hollywood. It, it, you know, he he will not make movies. He's, he's in Asia now, making making his movies, and and uh, we do our film. It'll be. It will be shot here in Arizona because that's where it's set. But, but yeah. the, the and let's not let's let's not forget to mention that um, he was a big part of Sheriff Joe's posse, and uh, he uh, took down a lot of criminals with Sheriff Joe. Yeah. Sheriff Joe and I were, t- were were talking about it, 
and uh, and and you know uh, that's that's an awesome thing too. I mean, and he was also a cop in Louisiana, uh, uh, Stephen Seagal. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's where how he started before he was a movie star. He, he was a, a police officer, a sheriff's deputy actually. And the uh, but the, so the, the point I'm trying to make is that what what we're trying to do is one of the ways to to, to win the soul of this country back is is through the the arts and you know through through movies and and through presenting and doing movies from the, the conservative point of view from the patriots point of view and uh, I think we got a good start with with, with this book and uh, you know, say what we're, we're the sequel is going to be our book, my friends, so much. They hate, they hate uh, Stephen. They hate me because yep. what we do is we're making them look like what they are in this book. And and uh, I'm enjoying, enjoying the living hell out of it. And uh, as I say, uh, uh, the, the next book is, is going to make them look even worse. And in the, the, the idea here is to capture the emotions of the reader. So, so that because all this stuff that's going on, all these attacks on our president, they're emotional. They're, they're, these are adolescent people that that act, you know, they're like the middle school kids. And they're calling names, and, and they have nothing, and and but they but they provoke an emotion, and and that is the thing. That's our biggest challenge, and that's what we have to fight, and that's what we have to reverse. And we have to understand yeah. that, to understand who the enemy is and what they're about, and, and we have to do something about it. That's Stephen and I are doing our part with it, you know, and, and enjoying the living. Yeah. Part of it. So. And for and this, everybody has to read this. It's a great book, you know. It, and I'm glad you guys are going to be making a sequel. And and I hope you guys, from what I understand, Tom, uh, the hope is you guys are going to be making this into a movie, right? This, this sort of thing. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. We 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 get we're, we're we're beginning the process of writing the screenplay. I'm going to write the screenplay to Stephen uh, and see, see what we come out with. And if it's good enough, it will be the basis of the movie. If it's not, we'll get a, we'll get another team of writers to write the screenplay. But then Stephen and I co-write the books. So um, I've only written one other screenplay, so I, I'm not really I don't have good a screenplay writer I am. But I know Stephen is. He, he's he writes. Uh, he's written a lot of the uh, screenplays for his uh, his movies. So, but um, yeah, the, I know, the idea I, here. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. Sorry, I was just going to say. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say. Yes, yeah, Stephen's. I, I know. I've realized. I mean, I've seen online. He's written a lot of uh, different screenplays, and he's written some of his own movies. But um, you were saying the idea here is uh, continue with what you're saying. Yeah. Well. Well. The the idea here is, is to present. Um, it, you know the reality of, of what's really going on. Uh, for Shadow Wolves, we had as a consultant a, uh, a retired agent from uh, one one of our top uh, intelligence agencies, who I know um, <clears throat> the guy is uh, a real deal. And and uh, the, the way the storyline was developed uh, was to some of the things that that he he let us know. That happened back in the day, but but it's still going on because the culture is the same. You know, it it, it doesn't change, and uh, a, a lot of the, the things that uh, you know the the way the world works doesn't change. The, 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 and we have to we got to get that that out so that it's believable and accepted. You know, but by by people in our country. I mean, you you have young people. A lot of young people 
who never, never were never taught civics. They, they weren't taught history. They, they, they don't know anything about our country, and as they have no. And then, and what, what are they interested in? I, I mean, their their noses are, are into their their smartphones, and and I mean, people don't even talk to one another anymore. You know, and I mean, our culture is is, is being attacked, and um, and and the way that they're trying to bring this country down is by attacking. The culture of the country. I mean, it, it, it goes back to that. So we got, we have to do our challenges, and is, is to reverse that, is to present things as, as they really are. And it's going to be it's going to be a slow climb. Uh, it's going to be very gradual. But but if we don't do it, we're going to lose our country. You know, and we have to do yeah. every one of us needs to do everything we can to preserve yeah. this country because we'll, we'll never get another chance. You know. So, yeah, and, and, and I wanna I wanna I know I know there's a lot believe me, ever I know everybody on the line right now wants to say something and I and I just have something quick to say and then I'll give anybody else the floor. But I do wanna say, you know, the left truly does wanna destroy our country. If you look at their agenda and you look at what they are going by, they are going by the same thing Hitler went by with the with Hit, Hitler was a socialist. He's exactly the same as Bernie Sanders. Hitler was a so he was a Hitler was a liberal socialist. And what do, what do, what does Bernie Sanders and the left want to do? They want to take away your guns. What did Hitler do before he killed all his own people? He took away their guns. What 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 should you know that what this is what communism is. They want control of your insurance. They want control of your health care. They want control of your guns. They want it. They want it all. Like they want, they want all the information, and they want to bring illegal aliens in. And we just saw what happened with that poor little innocent girl, Molly Tibbet, who was jogging, and an illegal alien was in the country and killed the killed the poor little girl. And this is another thing the left wants to do: is inc- increase illegals coming into our country without vetting them, without knowing where they came from. There's something called the visa lottery, chain migration. Which, you know what the visa lottery is, they just randomly pick, and this is something Obama set up, randomly pick people, oh, come on in, come on in. And chain migration is a terrible epidemic. Um, but we all know that, um, you know, the, the border is tightening. It's getting more secure. A lot of, the, a lot of illegals now are fleeing to Canada, thank God, um, because of Trump's, uh, you know, strict – getting the, the, the border laws are getting more and more stricter. But it's crazy, the people that are in this country, and that goes all into the deep state. That was all part of the deep state's plan, bring in foreigners, open borders. Uh, that's one of the things. I mean, and Zelensky's playbook. Go look at Zelensky's, Zelensky's, Zelensky's playbook. It's all – it's rules of radicals. I mean, I'm done. That, that, that's, all, that's what I had to say. Dan, go, uh, Dan, Dan, but Tom, respond real quick. What, what do you think? Yeah, was that question to me? Was, was that question to me? Yeah, I said, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, what we're facing is is the thing that Lincoln warned us about, you know, that this country will never be, will never be conquered. If, if we fall, it will be from within. And and, uh, and that's why right. we're facing the greatest enemy today that we have ever faced in our history, because the enemy yeah. is us. Is us. 
and 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 the thing that is the most difficult enemy to to defeat. And and it, and I, I'm telling you, it, it's going to come down to a point where uh, we're even going to we're going to get rid of these people. We're, we're going to get we're going to have a, a strong enough movement. And Trump Trumpism is a movement, and 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 that's the great hope. But we're either going to get rid of it one rid of them one way, or we're going to get rid of them another. We're on the verge of a civil war, and and I, I absolutely feel that that is where we're at right now. And uh, maybe not a full shooting civil war, but this is a thing. I mean, the suppression of free speech. I mean, right. and the greatest the greatest uh, tool that they have is political correctness. Which is oh which is yeah ridiculous. oh fuck that I hate that God challenge uh, that 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 we face but we have to be realistic and that's another it. thing they want to control that's another thing they want to take away free speech can you imagine mm-hmm. yeah that's what they I mean they're suppressing look at what's going on in the colleges and you know the Antifa thing is, is absolutely scary they they wear masks and they beat up old people. I mean, they're, you know, they're really brave, right? And, you know, that, that whole thing, uh, you know, that happened last year, you know, you know where, where the white nationalists came came in. Well, yeah, and, really and they was, were in the street after the Trump rally in Phoenix. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I was interested by Vice TV, which is um, uh, uh, belongs to HBO. And they sent me down to, that afternoon, <laughs> And they were interviewing me. They, I, I did a 25-minute interview, and and the only the only thing that that made it uh, the video was I think 20 seconds where, um, where I was I was commenting on something uh, about uh, Antifa, but it it looked like almost like it was a compliment. Believe me, it wasn't. And I, I invited them uh, because they like to, to pick on old people. Come and pick on me. Uh, I, I would love to spend some time with them, convincing them that they're wrong. You're, you're an ex NYPD police officer, ex chief deputy yeah. U.S. marshal, and you're a martial artist, a U.S. Army veteran. Yeah, let them fuck with you. Let them see what happens yeah. if they come over to you. Yeah, uh, come on, <laughs> come on. I got something to tell you, but but they don't, and and they won't. But yeah. the 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 thing is, they, they're cowards, and that's that's the thing that that we have to understand. They they will not stand and face us. They'll fight from the shadows. They'll ambush us, and and yep. the, the thing, and that's it. But but we will defeat them. We not only can we will defeat them. The thing is, the awareness is growing, and and an indication of that is Donald Trump's election. I mean, we have the power, and we we cannot we cannot give that up because if we do, our country's gone. You know, and it's it's just that. But we've got to be strong, and we've got to be resolute. And we got we got to kick their kick their asses, man. Kick them out of the damn countries we have to. But but they're, they're, we just cannot allow them to to continue doing what they're doing. And that's Robert Mueller and, and Rod Rosenstein, and and probably Jeff Sessions is probably with that one. You know, uh, uh, yeah. yeah Jeff Jeff Sessions needs to go. He needed to go a long time ago. Uh, Dan, I know you want to respond to this. Dan, please go ahead. Please go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a student of American history, and my passion is the American Civil War. And so when your guest was talking about uh, uh, a civil war, uh, before Lincoln became a candidate for president, he made speeches all over the country. 
And one of the most famous lines he said was, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It cannot remain half free and half slave. We can't today continue this division in our country where one part of the country, one part of the population, one part of the leadership is attacking the fundamental rights of the Constitution by wanting to destroy the Constitution and the other half trying to keep us free. It can't continue. Something's going to have to ta- to change uh, or, or, or the country will not survive. And I I. I I listened to the dialogue this evening, and what struck me was how sad I feel as an American to understand every day how vicious the deep state is and how deep the deep state is in this country. I don't think we have any true sense yet of how ingrained it is in our society at all levels and how much they're trying to get rid of this nation. Yeah, it's scary. It really is scary. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, as as um, you know, I'm also a huge uh history history buff to no extent as know as much as Dan does. But you know, I like to I like to get as much history information as I can, and, and one of my passions as well is the Civil War. And you know, as you guys were talking about it, I kind of I kind of had a, a moment where I sat and thought to myself, I'm like, wow, potentially in my lifetime, w- there could be an opportunity for me to legitimately, f- you know, fight the other side, so to speak, in a Civil War type setting. Now, you know, obviously as as uh, as Tom said, he doesn't think it'll necessarily, you know, end up being people shooting at each other. But it's a very interesting idea of, you know, of two uh, two sides battling it out like they did in the Civil War. And we've always had conflict in this country um, from, you know, from politics, but not really to the extent, uh, you know, that we see now since the Civil War. So, uh, I think I think that people should be weary of you know of what they especially our side they should be weary of what you know how they present themselves um, you know and, and and it really is the left side and like Dan was saying the attack of the Constitution when when you beat the Constitution down and ignore it over and over again something has to break. It's e- it's either going to be the the I mean the government could implode, um, one side could end up getting legitimately angry. I mean something is going to eventually break, and I don't know necessarily what it is yet. But you cannot continue to uh, demise and piss on the Constitution over and over again and expect nothing to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, very well said. Uh, Valerie, go ahead. I hear what you're all saying, and it's very scary. And I guess I I prefer to not hear it, like probably the majority of Americans, <laughs> and put my faith put my faith in in Trump and the Republican Party that 
we won't allow any of that to happen. You know right. that that we um, will maintain our power, and you know, in the next election, we'll continue to have the House and Senate, and you know, just not allow the deep state, the Clintons, and the very far left to to win, to take over any of yeah. these things. The yeah. thought is just too yeah. scary. Very scary, beyond scary. Uh, Gabe, I want you to speak on this. You know, I mean, I I completely agree with what's been said. Uh, we are watching our Constitution dissipate to the contrary of what a lot of the audience uh, might believe. One of the parts of the Constitution that I believe in the most and uh, that I hold true is the Fourth Amendment, which, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it has <laughs> pretty much dissipated. Any single time a case goes uh, to the Supreme Court, regarding our own personal privacy uh, with the advancement of technology, it seems like the Supreme Court is pretty consistent on the basis of let's give the state as much authority over our privacy as humanly possible. And that seems to be the reoccurring trend that we see where, I mean, the Constitution, we're just poking holes and creating more and more exceptions, which at the end of the day, I mean, you look at it's like anything with the law. You look at the initial rule, and then you look at all the 50,000 following exceptions. You're so far away from where that initial rule was supposed to be that it almost seemingly doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so that's what we're seeing in today's society. But um, to the contrary of what other people were saying earlier, I don't think it's something that's necessarily going to create a civil war. Uh, I think it might be – Something more along the lines of what we saw early 70s, beginning of the 80s, where um, society almost just kind of forgets. They see slight, subtle changes here and there where people are getting their quid pro quo. Everyone feels like they were a hero. And then it's kind of just the unspoken thing for the next 10, 20, 30 years. I think to get to that point, however, we need different faces. We need we need, I mean, both sides to work together instead of crucifying each other. Uh, we, we definitely need to see a significant amount of change from both sides and political parties before we see society moving that direction. Because right now, I mean, we're still at the very beginning where everyone's kind of getting more and more separated into their own political ways. But the large chunk of the voting population I mean, they, they for, the, uh, for the most part, remain independent, and they remain independent for the sole purpose that they don't want to side with any one stream on any one individual side for a number of reasons. I mean, it could be because of the demonification from, the, from a person who believes otherwise. Uh, it could be just because, I mean, realistically, if you're a free-thinking individual, then you're not going to align completely with liberals and you're not going to align completely with Republicans. It is absolutely possible to be someone who's liberal that also loves guns. If you're free thinking, that's doable. If you're someone who likes to be told what to do, then it depends on the narrative of the people around you. And that's, that's what we're seeing more and more of. And that's also why we're seeing more and more people kind of shy away into their own independent crowd. Now, in my opinion, really, well, yeah, well, well said. 
definitely have a point. With, with some, I like where you were going with that, Gabe. Somebody wanted to respond. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Rory, I, I just... Rory, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, have, I, have to leave. I have to leave the show. Right? Something I've got to do is say 30. Uh, okay. I apologize if you're not being on. I hope I can be on again. It's Tom Morrissey. Yes, Tom, Tom Morrissey, I want to give you, uh, 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 you know, before you go, I want to give you uh, anything you want to, you know, advertise. Uh, you're you're running for mayor uh, in Payson right now. Uh, please, before yeah. in Payson, Arizona, Payson, Arizona, before you go, I I I, I wanted to. Oh, I, I wish you could stay a little longer, but I will have you. How about I have you back on next week? Is that a deal? That'd be great. I'd love to come back on. And uh, okay, I, I and, and before, you, before you before you before you before you go, just for my viewers. Uh, so you're running for mayor out of Payson, Arizona. What are your, some of your main policies? What are your, some of your things that you want to put back in order right away, right when you get in office? Top three. Well, I, I want to give the control of, of the uh, town back to the people. Right now we, we yep. have a, uh, a town's mayor and council that are um, running the town around. And uh, we, we are one of the few towns in our towns and cities that have a tax on food which uh, I'm going to work very yeah. hard to rescind. Uh, That's the cruelest tax of all. We all have to eat, and it, it impacts everyone. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, wanna, I want to establish transparency. I, I want this to have an open government so that uh, the people see exactly what we're doing. They know why we're doing it. And if they don't, if they don't agree with it, we're not going to do it. And it's going to come down to that. But one thing I, I did want to say to everybody before I leave, and I don't want to be a downer, but – Think about this. The United States now is a judicial dictatorship. No law stands without the approval of the courts. When you have a federal district judge able to stop the the uh, will of the president of the United States, you have a federal you have a judicial dictatorship, and that's what's happening. We have activist judges who are mostly liberals doing this. And uh, that is something that we got. We we have to stop, and it has to stop now. You know. But but anyway, thank you all. I, I, Real, I, I really last thing, last me. thing, last thing before you yes. go, uh, Tom. Yes. Crazy craziest memory as uh, as a U.S. marshal. Craziest craziest memory, and an NYPD well, police officer. I mean, those are two big things. I mean. Well, as U.S. Marshal, I don't know if you remember the the uh, movie and the book, The Falcon and the Snowman, um, that was about Christopher Boyce. Did anybody remember that? The Falcon and the Snowman. Ring the bell. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's about a uh, the son of an FBI agent who's working as a uh, 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 working for in some capacity for the CIA. And, and he, he sells uh, secrets to the Russians. He gets uh, found out. He gets convicted and sent to prison. His name is Christopher Boyce. And um, he escaped. And I worked the case. I was a fugitive hunter when I was in the Marshal Service. And I worked the case for 16 months. We were, we were trying to uh, to get him, to capture him. And uh, we caught up with him in uh, Fort Angeles, uh, state of Washington. And he was getting ready to to leave over the next few days. We caught him in, in a Sonic. Uh, he, was, he was eating a hamburger. And uh, one of the, my partners, a guy named Denny Barron, came up on the driver's side of the car um, 
and put a gun to his head and said, drop the, drop the hamburger. <laughs> he had a hamburger in his head. And for five, for five years, that phrase and Denny Barron's gun was in the Smithsonian because it was, it was that big of a case. So that that was probably the most memorable case that that I worked, and um, and I, I always get a kick every time I eat a hamburger. Think of it. But anyway, good night, everybody. Thank you, and I all look right. forward to being on again. Take all care. right, thanks, Tom. We'll have you back on soon. Thanks. Always a pleasure, Tom Morrissey. Everybody, buy his book, The Way of the Shadow Wolves. You can the deep state and the hijacking of America. Please tell everybody where they can find it. On Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, they're in Barnes and Noble stores. They're in Sam's Club. They're in Walmart. And uh, Amazon's probably the easiest way to get it. But you can get it on uh, on uh, Barnes and Noble online. So it's it's, it's just about everywhere. So excellent, Tom Morris. Tom Morrissey, it's been a pleasure. I'll talk to you. We'll have you on next week. God bless. Uh, have a great night, sir. Cheers. God bless you. Take care, Rory. Bye now. Take care. My 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 turn too, Roy. Dan, yes, please. What? What do you? I want you to talk. I want you. To, oh, you gotta go. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Um, Dan, I want to thank pro- you for coming on. Eleven thirty. No, yes. I know. I know you're over. You've been on here an hour. It's over time. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, but before you go, I do want to ask you. Yeah. Um, your thoughts, real quick, on how this is all going to play out for President Trump. In terms of with the Mueller thing, with Michael Cohen, with all these people ambushing him all at once, I want to know your predictions. Because you know what? That piece you came out with earlier where you wrote that big article about the Clintons being involved, I mean, that is absolutely genius. And nobody could have ever thought of that. And it all adds up in the puzzle. Came out of left field, but totally makes sense. I mean, beyond impressed. I really want to know your thoughts, though, in terms of what do you think the outcome is going to be? If you're you're a writer, you predict this stuff. You're on the inside in Washington D.C. Well, I don't know that I'm on the inside, but I do have I do have contacts there. Uh, yes, I, I I believe that. Um, you know, it was interesting. We were talking about last night with the 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 gentleman who was uh, vehemently against all religions and atheist, whether he was atheist or agnostic is irrelevant. But I was thinking about, thinking about um, there have, there have been times in our <laughs> history of our country where I believe divine intervention has given us the right leader for the right time. And in, in some cases, um, really at a time when we need a change in direction, a new philosophy, we need um, leadership. And yes. I think that the American people, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's I'm on his show every week out of Chicago, an anchor by the name of Charles Butler. He's been in the Chicago radio scene for a long time, and he's syndicated all over the country. Very nice. And, and, he, and, and he, we were talking today, and I said, um, 
Do you remember what the, the, the percentage of the black vote was for Donald Trump? And he 8%, said, and now, 8% and now it's 36%. Uh, 8% voted for him, and now his approval ratings at 36% with black voters. Unbelievable. Right. And, and so I was saying to Charles today, I said, Donald Trump went to Detroit, and he said to the black people and the black leadership in Detroit, what have you, what got do you have to, to lose? lose? And really that's what, what's going on here is, is that I believe – that this man was brought in the right place at the right time with the right message. And no matter how much the left goes after him, he gets stronger. He's, he's like a breeder reactor. He, he gets stronger and stronger, stronger and stronger when people yeah. attack him because yeah. he has the ability – to do the job that the American people elected him to do. He is an agent of change. So I believe he was, he was destined to do this job. And I, I, his oh, yeah. job will not be over in four years. You, I believe he will win eight years. I believe that the Democratic Party is going to suffer a massive defeat in the elections in, in midterms and then another defeat – in the presidential election in 2020, and yeah. we, I'm not sure that the Democratic Party can survive two more defeats. I don't think they can. There, let, let's face it, Dan, I'm going to let you go, but uh, let's face it, a red wave is coming in November, uh, and I'm going to give you reasons why, and pretty much everybody agrees. I mean, the economy is the best it's ever been, um, and that's not even the number one concern. The number one concern is illegal immigration, and Trump's doing a great job of enforcing uh, border security, which people are very concerned about, as well as the number – but the but economy is the number two concern, and uh, the economy is the best it's ever been. So I see a win-win, win-win, win. Let me, let me just finish by, by, uh, by time by, yeah. by giving you an ex- uh, example of what I've been trying to say to, to the last few minutes. Yeah. If you if you went out and you took a poll yep. of a hundred people. Yep. Tonight. Tonight you did it. Yeah. And you asked those people if they saw any of the Democratic people reacting to the brutal murder of that young woman by an illegal in a cornfield in Iowa. They know. Or, it's terrible. Or the accusations against Donald Trump by the left in the, in the collusion and in, in the two cases. I'm telling you, Roy, the people, because every poll data that I see, the number one yes. issue in, in the election is immigration. And I'm and telling you. And here's the, the thing, Dan. Every, Dan, and that's a very new uh, uh, thing because every other time it's the economy. Yeah, there there comes to eighty five percent of the of the of the, of the electorate think the economy is going to. So, but, but what I'm saying is the power of the message of what the Democrats how they minimize the death of this young woman, this brutal murder of her, and and how the White House positioned that it was an illegal 
person who should have never been in this country, and had that person never been in this country, that young woman would still be alive. Right. The Kate Smiley case in San Francisco. She would have been alive because the guy who was in San Francisco had been convicted as a convicted felon, and he, he came back into the country five times illegally. And so yep. I think that that story, that, that message of what happened today, and that young yep. man in court sticks more in the claw of the American people than what they're talking about Cohen or Manafort. It, I, I think that that's much more important to them. And the oh, Democrats, yeah. fortunate. But I got to go. And now, yeah, and, and, and yeah. And before you go, did you hear the feds are offering twenty thousand dollar reward for the suspect that is accused of threatening President Trump's wife? No, I didn't hear that. Oh, that's yeah, that's a big thing. They still can't find the guy. It's been like a month. He threatened President Trump's life, and now they're offering a twenty thousand dollar reward, and it. It's like all viral, but um, Dan, um, we will have you back on um, next week. Always a pleasure. You're a great guest, great friend of the show. Um, you know, thank you. Um, and uh, yes, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Yeah, go to Constitution.com, put in my name, and look at the article on Omarosa as a spy for Mueller. It's a great story. And your website? Tell everybody. Dan DanPerkins.guru. And uh, thanks for having me on. Always Absolutely, a pleasure to be with you. All, all of you. Always a, pl- always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you here. God bless. Bye. Bye. Dan Perkins, everybody. I do want to welcome our next special guest, entrepreneur, venture capitalist, hedge fund, hedge fund, hedge fund, hedge fund manager, Got him, got him. My my mouth is dry. Jesus Christ. Hedge fund <laughs> manager, economist, and entrepreneur Joel Block is with us. How are you, my friend? Hey Rory, how are you, man? Uh good good to ha- good to have you. Um it's good to uh there's a lot of uh great things going on in the economy. Um I we want to get into a lot of this. Let's let's first talk about uh, this is the longest bull market we have ever seen. The streak. Yep. Yep. What are your thoughts yep. on this? You know, I mean, I know you've been studying this. You know, there are a lot of naysayers. Uh, there's a lot of negativity, and you know, I always ask the question, "What's the hidden agenda?" You know, what are what are people thinking? Because it's uh, that's kind of how you have to get to it. You know, who stands to benefit from whatever it is they're saying? A lot of people say a lot of things they shouldn't be saying. Uh, but, you know, I think that the economy is fundamentally different now than it was uh, 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, you know, yeah. beside the fact that the corporations have cleaned up their acts since uh, 2007 and 8, they've reduced a lot of expenses, they've tightened the ship quite a bit. Business models that companies are using is quite different. And and that uh, justifies a much higher multiple in the stock market. They're, they're much more dependent on subscription revenue uh, than they had been in the past, which is more predictable. It's better. And for those reasons, uh, the market is strong, and I don't, see, um, I don't see a material change. You know, I mean, there could be a, a daily setbacks, but I don't see a material change on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm going to let my uh... – 
I have a lot of thoughts, but um, Gabe, I want I, you know I haven't heard from you in a while, and you know a lot about you know you know you're you're great at this stuff, and then so am I. And but go ahead though, I mean you you study this stuff every day. Yeah, I mean I do a lot of uh, I do some VC work. I do largely I used to day trade uh, stocks. Nowadays I focus more so on cryptocurrency. Some laps. Others enjoy the profit. Um, but realistically, I mean, as far as the market and what we're seeing, I mean, it's been uh, – for cryptocurrency, it's a completely different ballpark. Uh, it's global, a lot more volatile than what we see with the stock market. As far as the stock market is concerned, I mean, it's just increasingly been growing. Um, I, I, mean, I wasn't doing this 20 years ago, so I can't really talk to how different it was back then. Uh, but as far as basic trends, I mean, they're uh, as far as statistics and all that's concerned. <laughs> I'm going to do some TA analysis on it, but I mean, you're you're right. It is still bull market, still looking good uh, on the cryptocurrency end. Not as much. Everyone's hoping and uh, yeah, keeping keeping their eyes on Bitcoin and ETFs, which are hopefully soon to come. Uh, I think the next deadline is within a week before we find out more about one of the Bitcoin ETFs uh, that have been applied for. Um, but there have been a few that have gotten denied so far. So there are a lot of people expecting the price to go down. But like I always say, with cryptocurrency, yeah, if you're expecting the price to go one direction, place your money expecting it to go the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and that's another thing, Joel. You you know you know a lot about crypto, and we will get into that conversation shortly. I I want to go to you, um, um, Josh. Go ahead. I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I'd love to go into the crypto here right now because it's something I have a couple dollars into, and just talk about for a second. Um, well, you know, to, 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 to make get, an announcement, to make an announcement to everybody on the air. Uh, Gabe and I and uh, another business partner of ours, we are starting our own uh, cryptocurrency uh, platform and in business. So we will give you the, the, the further details in the coming weeks, uh, but just know it is uh, amazing. Um, if Gabe wants to kind of give like some spoilers, he's more than welcome, um, but that is yeah. Gabe's choice. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll lead into that. I want to I want to hear what the other other folks have to say first, and then we'll definitely shift oh, into that one. Absolutely, Valerie. Valerie, your thoughts on the market? I know you know the the economy is doing so well, and I mean, there's all these new different platforms and technologies so evolved, and everything is so like it's moving like never seen before. It's amazing. No, I mean, there's nothing bad to say about the market. I mean, if you're in it, you're making money. I know nothing about the crypto. I think I'm too afraid of that because it's it's too risky for me. But maybe you guys can educate me about it more. Um, yeah, I mean the market's great. You know, I I have nothing bad to say about that. In fact, I'm trying to get my kids involved because you know this is it's an easy way to make money if you if you watch it. You know what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it really is. And it's all about time. You know, for in a lot of ways, and, and Joel, you'll probably agree with me on this, it's all about timing. It's all about 
you know, it's all about connecting the dots. It's all about, you know, being around the right people. I mean, and it's, and it's about, you know, knowing, it's about knowing certain patterns. I mean, there, there's patterns with these markets. There's, there's certain things that they go through. I mean, there's, I mean, I mean, I want, I want to know your thoughts on, you know, how long, this bull market you think will last? Do you think it's going to be well, an ongoing thing? Do you think this will, or do you think it's going to come to an end? What's your thoughts? I mean, look, I'm, you know, I, I can't tell you how many, uh, how many months a year something's going to last, but I will tell you that the economy is healthy and companies yeah. are healthy and employment is healthy. Yeah. And a lot of the yeah. uh, metrics that we all look at are healthy. Uh, crypto, you can't even have a discussion about cryptocurrency in in this macro kind of discussion. Crypto is a teeny little pimple, you know, on on, a, on the butt yeah. of an elephant compared to what we're talking about. And it's oh, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's highly risky. It's 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 brand new. It's and it's not even it's not even certain it's going to stick around. I mean, nobody even knows. So you can't have that uh, you know discussion in the same context. But it's, um, you know, listen, the world that we live in is uh, things are working good. Uh, we got a lot of people who are employed, and anytime people are employed, uh, that's strong. We have very good interest rates, which is good for real estate. You know, it's good for um, the short rates are good, the long rates are good. I mean, everything is really well under control, and, and there just isn't a lot of talk about uh, negativity. I, I will tell you that there still is a lot of this uh, what's called shadow inventory at the banks. It's a lot of the crap yeah. from 2007 and 8 that never got uh, resolved. And, yeah. and as a result of that, you still have a lot of uh, – they kind of kicked the can down the road in that regard, and that's that's the one thing that's hanging, and there is quite a bit of that. But other than that, uh, most of the sectors of the economy are pretty good. Yeah, and, you know, there's a new report out today. Speaking of real estate, you know, you bring up a very good point. And, you know, I've talked about this on my show you know, a little bit, but I, I should have probably talked about it a lot, lot more. The real estate market is booming right now. I mean, the, the, the market, I mean, we are living in the best real estate market probably ever seen before. And now you can get a loan. I mean, this, this, is, this is the kind of economy we're living in. You can buy a house with a th- with, uh, at a 3% rate with a 620 or a 610 credit score with an FBA loan, or uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac announced that. And I'm like, wow. when they announced that, I'm like, holy shit. The economy is off the chain. I mean, anybody now can get a, a freaking loan or a house. I mean, this is, this is good. This is good. I mean, what do you think about that, Joel? Well, that's, listen, that's what caused the problem 10 years ago, was that anybody could get a loan. When they started making loans to people that, uh, couldn't well, support the debt service on those loans. That's when when everything went south. But it's a little more regulated well, now. I mean, it, it, who wants what, to speak on somebody? Uh, Listen, as as Americans. Let me let me tell you something, Rory, and and you'll recognize this. Americans yeah. have a very short memory, and yeah. our memory is short because it's not fun to have a long memory. It's it's really no right. fun. And right. and so you know the the banks. So uh, you know when when regulations are too tight. Banks start making loans, and there's a lot of people that make their money in that industry, and right. and so everybody has an incentive to you know get the the engine humming again, 
and and then get people borrowing because borrowing stimulates uh, construction development. All, you know, I mean, the, a lot of the wheel of our economy spins when this happens, and so a lot of people have an incentive to make it work. And when they loosen it up too much is when they lose control of it. And the question is, how much do you loosen it up before you lose control? Uh, I will say yeah. it is not. It is Go not ahead, as loose as it's not nearly as loose as it used to be. I mean, realistically, the as far as credit scores are concerned, it might be a little bit better saying that people with the 620 can get it. But at the end of the day, with the type of income that is required in order for people to go ahead and get approved for these loans, I mean, your mortgage has to make up a third of your income. But for what we're seeing, issues more so with the self-employed crowd popping up because, I mean, there's tax incentives and write-offs that you can declare, but the issue is once you declare them, then it doesn't matter what tax bracket you fall in with the IRS. You fall in a whole other tax bracket when you apply for the loan, which now all of a sudden is significant. It shows that you're bringing in significantly less than what you're realistically bringing in. You can write off miles, for example, that will get you $0.75 off per mile realistically probably cost you significantly less than that, maybe 25 cents, if that, in gas and wear and tear. And that's, that's a tax write-off you can take, but you can't take that right, into uh, – you can't take those tax write-offs if you want to be able to go ahead and get approved for a loan. Uh, and that's, that's the major issue we're seeing, which I'd be interested to see how it plays out over the next five to ten years. What used to be subprime loans now became non-prime loans. Uh, non-prime loans are pretty much the solution to the self-employed uh, people, the self-employed crowd that can't get a loan and can't get a mortgage because of the legislation that's currently on the table, which is significantly restrictive on anybody that takes any form of deduction tax-wise. Uh, so now you're seeing people go to what's called a non-prime loan, which pretty much just takes into account the amount of money in your bank account and how frequently that money goes in. So it looks at cash flow, uh, which, I mean, that's that's almost just as risky as what you used to be. But then again, those people are paying higher interest rates. I'm more of a free market kind of guy. I think that, I mean, they should, they should let it go as long as the interest rate reflects the likelihood of the borrower repaying the loan. There's no reason, in my opinion, that the government should get involved. Joel, I want you to respond, but Josh, go ahead real quick. You know, I would agree, uh, especially with the last bit that Gabe said about the, the, you know, a free market way of thinking. When you know, interest rates would work themselves out automatically in a free market system. When the government messes with it, that's the reason that we had the crash. You know, in in two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, that you know that housing bubble came because of inflated interest rates because of the federal government. Um, and it could happen again if, you know, the Fed is not careful. Um, but, you know, what, you know, I absolutely agree that if, if we came, went with a more free market approach, it would be bumpy in the short term. But right. uh, in the long ter- term, which matters, uh, it, would, it would obviously fix itself out for the better because of that. And I'm going to say something before before Joel responds. I want Joel to respond, um, but I will say something. And I'm a registered Republican. George W. Bush made our fucking party look like a fucking clown show. 
uh, this month, this guy, this is the, he's the reason. Him and uh, Barack Hussein Osama, the Muslim from Kenya, he wasn't he, the fake, the phony, the worst president in history, Obama. But but but, but here, here's here's what I want to get to is what pisses me off is that yes, Obama, you know, uh, bailed out the big banks, left a lot of the small uh, banks and the small businesses hanging, but Bush set this shit up. Bush had poor leadership around him. I don't see President Trump setting the American people up, and I don't see President Trump having the, the kind of poor leadership that would cause this sort of chaos and uh, you know financial ruin uh, like it did in 2008. I don't see another crash for at least 10 to 12 years. I could be wrong, but uh, that's just my thought. Um, you know, I I just see what Trump's doing. And, you know, there's a reason he has a billion with a B, dollar, dollar, uh, no, God, my, my, God, my, my dry mouth. There's a reason he has a billion dollar empire with a B, because he knows how, he, he's a great businessman. I'm, you know, he's obviously made his mistakes just like anybody else, but he's always came out on top and he's always prevailed in the end and, and made up for his, his, his mistakes and his errors and he did very well. Um, here, but I want to get your thoughts, here, here. Joel. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just, just well, my opinion. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of uh, government intervention. But here's, here's why the government needs to be involved in this. It's because real, real quick, they real, real quick though, real, real quick. It is, it is said though that these loans for these homes are more regulated than they were um yeah i'm not listen i'm not i'm not saying that they're not what i'm saying is that the more they loosen it up the closer we get to having problems and and they they started out real strict and it's loosening 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 and i don't know where the right place to stop is but I'm just telling you, the more they uh, the more they loosen, the closer we get to a problem, and that's just how it works. So here's the thing, and this is uh, you know, listen, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty libertarian about this. You know, let the government uh, you know kind of stay away for the most part. But there's some yeah. places where the government has to be the referee, and here's why: because the banks are not loaning their own money. If the banks were loaning their own money, they would not need the government to tell them how to make the loan. But because the banks are loaning money that belongs to us and other people, and then because the federal government has to bail out uh, the problem when the bank makes a mistake, uh, the government has the right to tell them how to make their loans. And that's, listen, it's the same thing in California. We have a helmet law here. A lot of motorcyclists don't like wearing a helmet. But when most uh, motorcycle riders don't carry insurance and then they crash and their brains splash all over the ground and we have to pay for it, the people paying for it have the right to uh, call the shots. And that's just, you know, it's the same thing in the stock market, you know, when people put their money in and companies squander the money away. It's the same thing. And so the government, you know, we need the government to uh, be the referee in this situation, whether we like it or not, because we're using other people's money. Rory, do you mind if I respond to that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I guess my my thought there would be, I, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a little bit of a, a red herring, in the sense that 
you you can't it, you know it's a little bit of a, uh, a hypocrisy to say that you're free market but then be okay with interest rates. The problem is the, if you have interest, if the government gets to control interest rates, I understand with the current system. Yes, the government should control interest rates, but the government shouldn't be bailing out banks. No, and also, if they were loaning out, as they do loan out other people's money, if they were able to raise interest rates, hypothetically, you would also be getting a greater return on your savings. So you would have a higher uh, interest back on your savings if they had higher interest rates, and then banks could be competitive with that and compete in the free market economy. When the government's involved, it creates a problem, period. Yeah. Well, banking banking is not a free market system. It just it just isn't a free market system. It's um, you know, like it or not, it's it's a core industry in the United States. And part of the reason that these big banks got bailed out, uh, it's not the banks so much that got bailed out. It's the people that got bailed out. Now, the institutions, the reason that they got to stick around and and that they got the support of the government is because businesses need those banks, and they need them to be large. You know, when, when this all first started happening, I started thinking, you know, if they're too big to fail, then they're probably too big to be in business. But uh, as I started thinking about that, I started thinking, you know, there are many other countries that have banks, and those banks are international, and the amount of transactions globally that happen are so big, that w- which, first of all, most of us can't really understand how large they are. But it's it's just massive amounts of money that's moving trillions of dollars, and it requires uh, banks with highly specialized uh, treasury management services and other kinds of departments to take care of those. So uh, banks are not really a free market where interest rates fluctuate and where they're on their own. Uh, the government, you know, regulates them uh, more or less to protect the investors, the depositors, and the, the people who uh, who the banks are out there being fiduciaries for. But it's it's not a perfect system for sure. Yeah, Gabe, I want you to respond. Go ahead. So, I mean, I guess the one thing I would have to say to that is the statement where you said that uh, it was really the people that got bailed out. I mean, I didn't, didn't really see much of the people getting bailed out in 08 as I did see Wall Street getting bailed out. Uh, what we I, I, I mean, for the most part, at the end of the day, what we saw was people defaulting on their homes, their homes losing values, their investments losing values. Uh, if they even re- if still kept those investments in the first place, the government never came in and bailed those individuals out, and it never came and helped individuals get a roof over their heads, nor did it really end up helping with the immediate job growth or the economy growth, which took an additional four or five plus years or more. I mean, what we did see was money getting poured back into the banks just to secure the jobs of the people that were on Wall Street, or at least the few that were left after the crash. Um, We really didn't see much government intervention, with the exception of ensuring that, I mean, (laughs) ensuring that more and more regulations are put in place to almost have to, well, have to, it, it forced banks to come up with different ways to cater to a certain crowd that on its face value, its prima facie case was that, they, that there are certain people who just can't afford mortgages. So re, in reality, it was saying that here's, here's a blanket solution. Find a different way around to, <laughs> around us to come and cater to these certain consumers. Oh. 
And that's that's what they did. I mean, it's just like I was just telling us the non-prime loans are the exact same thing as subprime loans, just they changed three letters. But it's necessary because, they, I mean, there is still a pretty significant segment of the population that they can't afford homes. It's just the way that they calculate the mortgages now and what people can afford is inadequate. So I think they, I, I, I think if you are going to go the route and say, we do need government intervention. There are solid arguments to be had, but at the same time, I think that what we need to see is competent government intervention, which I have yet to see in almost any branch, (laughs) a competent piece of legislation that goes and actually addresses an issue in a way that is effective, efficient, but doesn't overreach its authority. And that is something that we desperately need, if anything, coming from the government's end, because we're either oh, we're either running a free market system or we're running a government system. If we're going to have both, then it's just going to lead to more and more complications, more and more rises and falls, because, I mean, you have free market incentives, but then you have the clear outcome that we saw in 08 when the legislation starts clashing with the free market incentives. So, I mean, I, I personally think you're going to have to go either one direction or another. Me personally, I think free market is the route, the route to go. But if you're going to argument for er, argue for government intervention, then at least argument, argue for competent intervention rather than what we have seen previously and what we continue to see in every other field of government. Well, yeah, I, uh, Joel, you want to respond? Go ahead. Uh, no, no, I, listen, I, I just, you know, banking is, um, is one of those industries where you can't let the free market system entirely work because, number one, it's too important uh, to the society. Uh, the bank's got a tremendous disproportionate amount of assistance uh, 10 years ago, more than they deserve, but they, the government did it because the, the economy needed it. And, you know, there was some smart things that were done by the end of the Bush administration, the beginning of the Obama administration. They didn't let the place collapse. Now, they did kick the can down the road a lot, and they probably uh, could have dealt with it, uh, you know, a little better. But there's a little bit of hindsight there. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Um, I do, uh, you know, Josh, Josh, you have another thought on this, right? Yeah, no, I you know, here's the here's the deal. If if the banks failed, they should have failed. The problem is when you bail them out, you create a false sense of security. They're not too big to fail. They're they're too big to fail because the government the government's too big to fail. They're basically banks today are basically an extent of the Federal Reserve. The problem is with with this the system we have now, which is a government regulated free economy. You could say I wouldn't even. The problem is when it's a government government rated economy, it's not free at all. So we're not even we're we're using a regulated. We have a regulated economy here in the United States and and worldwide. And until you move to a complete free economy, that means the banks. That means, you know, you have to get rid of the Federal Reserve. There are many pro- – whenever the government has control of something, it causes problems. It's co- it, it, the government caused the housing bubble. The government caused the, you know, the Great Depression because of the way it manipulates the system. 
when when you have a government that is able to print and or um, um, get loans from other countries or other entities whenever it wants, you create a huge bubble. The government itself is inside of a bubble. When it's going to pop, I don't know. But the, we're how many trillion dollars in debt? The system we have 20, going on right now is not working. Almost 21. It's going to it's going to eventually explode. And in t- and and when that happens, the only thing that will work is a free economy. It, but it will explode. The problem is if we keep continuing going, the the best we can do is pop it now. The longer we wait, the bigger the bubble gets. And the bigger it gets, the more obviously. To be honest, there's no way to less. There's no way to pop the bubble now. It's going to pop when it pops. There's no way to let air out of it either. But you know, the the idea that there's certain entities that need to be regulated, I I think is personally absurd. I Joe, respond to this. Go ahead. Well, listen. Um, the reason that there needs to be regulation, and I'm not one that normally uh, advocates for regulation, but there are, is limited regulation that's needed in certain sectors of our economy, and those are sectors where people are known to cheat and cheat a lot and, and do bad things. You know, in 1929, the stock market crashed in large part because you had all these hoodlums and con artists running all over town. Uh, selling uh, fake deals to people, uh, widows and orphans. You know, they would tell uh, old ladies, say, listen, give me $25, and I'll be back in two weeks with $500 because I got this special deal you're going to work on. And and then they would run to the next town, and they would keep the money, and, and uh, people lost all their money. And, you know, a lot of these kinds of stories were common. So the government said, listen, if you want to raise money for people, uh, then you're going to have to let us look over your books. You're going to have to file registration statements. And this is in 1933, so they're, they're trying to figure out ways to correct this so it doesn't happen again. And, and the entrepreneurs of the day show up, and they said, listen, this is way too strict. This is not a good idea, what you're doing here. And, and this is a great example of the government working. The government said, you know what, uh, maybe you're right, because the entrepreneurs told them, listen, if you enact all this legislation, require every company to get nodded, every company to do all these papers, then we'll never be able to raise any money. We'll never be able to be innovative and all the things. And this is in 1933. And the government said, you know what, you're right. So they, uh, they pulled back and they said, listen, if you get your money from wealthy people, well-heeled people, uh, which are called accredited investors, then you're exempt from these rules. But if you just take money from regular folks, regular Americans, and what really is going on there is if the failure causes the government to have to take action, like put people on welfare and reimburse money, like the banks, they have to reimburse with the FDIC insurance and everything. When that happens, then the government absolutely has a right to step in. In your family, if somebody was doing something that caused your family a grief, you have the right to step in and get it straightened out. And that's what the government does. And that's, that's a reasonable time for the government to make some rules about how things work. You can't, you can't have the Wild West, uh, you know, in every part of our economy. It doesn't work. I mean, it's, you've got to have some rules. We have to have some system that works. And there has to be some referees. And, and, and granted, we're totally out of control in a lot of places. Uh, and, and, and I love that guy talking about that judicial uh, override, the, the, the last guest, that the, the judges are stopping uh, too many laws. He's right. You've you got to have some laws and you've got to have some rules 
so we all agree how we're going to operate, and that's called regulation when it comes from the government. I mean, it's just what it is. Yeah, I will. Josh, you want to respond, or Gabe, Gabe or, or Gabe? Go ahead, and then Josh. I, I do want to respond to that. What I will say is, you know, to a certain degree, yes, you do need regulation, but there is a certain point where there's too much regulation. I mean, right now, we can actually compare this to cryptocurrency because a lot of what you were talking about happened in the nineteen oh, late nineteen twenties. It, with stocks, we're seeing with cryptocurrencies, just the modern-day yeah. version of it would be where exchanges disappear. There are blockchain exchanges with no person associated with the account. And for those of you not familiar with how crypto works, if you have Bitcoin on an exchange, you have it on that exchange's wallet, technically you do not possess that Bitcoin at that point in time until you download it to your own physical wallet. Until then, until then, if it's on the exchange, the exchange has your money and has your Bitcoin, and it is all theirs. So what we're seeing is a lot of people with blockchain exchanges, because there's hundreds of exchanges that are listed openly, probably thousands that are out there, and there's a number of which are designed around anonymity, and you don't know who runs these exchanges. They wait for days where all of a sudden there's millions in volume for one coin, and then sudden the exchanges shut down they take off with all of the money of all of the investors that went in that day and just take off with money i mean i i had a experience where that almost happened i work with electro which some of you might be familiar with uh which is a cryptocurrency and in january january 5th when i first bought into electra um there was an exchange called market Electro was pumping. They were getting about $7 million in volume. I was able, I was fortunate enough to be able to transfer in my money. The, the page was crashing, and I was able to withdraw it just in the nick of time before the exchange took off with everyone's money. To this day, nobody knows who ran it, and it's almost impossible to find out. So what we're seeing is the government isn't doing anything about it, but, I mean, you have free market and those that are credible that are kind of stepping up. And Binance is just doing phenomenal because of it. Coinbase is doing phenomenal because of it. People who are open about their identity so they can be liable for those events, then those people are doing significantly better. But meanwhile, people are doing their due diligence and they're looking at these other exchanges. And now you're seeing them start to ask the questions of, okay, if this exchange takes off, are they open about who runs it? Can we find out who's liable? We don't necessarily need new Gabe, to Gabe, make these Gabe, we all, Gabe, very, Gabe, very well said. We only have about two minutes left. I, I, I do want to get Josh's last thoughts, and then I want to get Joel for 30 seconds, but we are running short of time. But we're, we're going to get back in the, into this whole discussion tomorrow because this is a big thing we all need to discuss. But, uh, Josh, go ahead. Final thoughts. Yeah. Let, I'll, I'll hit this real fast because it's not very complicated. The government, as today in the United States, acts like a charity. When some poor person loses their money because they made a bad investment with their money, they gave money to scammers. That is their fault. It is not the job of the government to come right. in and say, oh, you poor person, let's put a bunch of regulations on this so this doesn't happen anymore. Right. Maybe if that person wasn't lazy and did due diligence, and the only thing you can do at that point is hope that the government, which isn't, which one entity that the government is supposed to do, is the judicial system. 
And those people should be punished if they're able to be found. But the government is not the job to go in and provide charity to stupid people who made stupid investments. Fair enough. Got it. We have, we do have to run. I do want Joel Block. Uh, Joel, please tell everybody where they can promote yourself. Uh, listen, you can find me at uh, joelblock.com, and uh, there's a lot of information there. Uh, you know, on my real estate business, on the keynote speaking work that I do, uh, my yep. book is there. Everything, everything you need is in one place. All right, thank you, thank you, Joel. And Joel, I'm going to get you back on the show. Uh, you know, as soon as possible. We need to continue this discussion. I'm just on a timer. You know, I'm running out of time, so I uh, we will continue this. I mean, this is an ongoing thing. And there's so much more that needs to be addressed. So um, but we'll have you back on very soon, Joel. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Yeah. God bless. Have a good night. God bless. Cheers. Take care. Um, real quick, Josh, promote yourself here where people can find you. Yeah, for sure. Give me a follow on Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-V as in Victor, A-T-Y. There you go. And then, Gabe, promote yourself, whatever you got to plug in. Yep. You can follow me on Instagram for crypto news. It's Gabe, V-E-E-E-E, four E's. Um, and then follow my page, Retainer, on Facebook. That's Retain R. Uh, it's a new legal app for something. And, yeah, yeah, that's about it. It's Thanks fun, for having fun me. stuff. And retainer, retainer is a really we're excited to release retainer to everybody. Uh, this is a big lawyer app that uh, Gabe that I that Gabe and I uh, and I'm helping Gabe with and I'm involved with, but it's really going to be the new way for lawyers to uh, connect with their clients and uh, it's like the next generation, right, Gabe? Yep, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's definitely our main goal is to revolutionize the legal field and the way people seek legal representation. And yep. I mean, that's that's our goal, our, our ambition, and what we're going to end up doing at the end of the day. Absolutely, and Dave and I will be talking about our crypto company in the coming weeks on the show, just to let everybody know. Uh, Valerie, real quick, oh, uh, Valerie, uh, is Valerie still there? No, Valerie is gone. Okay, Um, so go to follow me at RorySodder.tv. You can go to the Donald J Trump store.com. Again, that's the Donald J Trump store.com for all your uh, custom apparel merchandise and uh, unique, uh, you know, uh, items. And uh, also uh, you can also visit um, um, get your app built.com. Again, that's get your app built.com. Um, and uh, like I said earlier, visit Rory TV, all of these episodes, Past episodes you can download um, if you have not watched, if you have not listened to them live. Uh, and we will be back with all of you tomorrow night. Uh, God bless everybody. I want to thank all the guests, all my co-hosts, all of the audience. Uh, cheers, everyone. Take care. See you tomorrow. Bye.